Oh. How many of you know exactly what that feeling is like? Anybody? Yeah. All right. Especially those of us with five kids. This has been my life for the last 22 years. Uh, maybe you've ever uh, gone on a trip and you've overpacked. That's also been my life. I remember one trip I went on and I had packed too much because I had broke my ankle at a youth camp and that summer I was supposed to speak at another youth camp in Colorado and I still had the cast on and I had crutches and I was crutching my way through the Detroit Metro Airport on my way to Colorado and I got my suitcase, my backpack, another bag and I'm trying to crutch through the airport. When my wife dropped me off, she said, now just walk inside and ask someone for help. I don't remember her saying that. She says she said it like eight times. I don't remember. But all I remember is I got to Colorado. I'm in the, the Denver airport and I'm crutching along. In the very bottom of my crutch, I noticed something is starting to go wrong. And there's that little, whatever it is, booty, booty, uh, not, not to be confused with hootie, uh, booty, that goes on the bottom of the crutch and the aluminum of the crutch popped through. And so as I started crutching, that aluminum hit the very slick floor. And before I knew it, I was laying on the ground because the crutch had slipped. Both crutches went up in the air. My bags went everywhere. And I was just staring at the Denver airport, thinking to myself, only if my wife would have told me to ask for help. Like that's exactly what I was hoping she would do. That's what I was exactly hoping. And I don't know if you've been there. And now obviously... Carrying all this baggage around takes so much work. And unfortunately for many of us, this is just our normal life. We don't even know what it's like to not carry baggage anymore. And uh, of course, I don't mean the literal bags we carry. I mean the emotional bags that we carry. Many of us have been carrying around emotional weight for years. We can't sleep, we can't eat, we overeat, we undereat, we drink, we use drugs to medicate the pain. Some of us have pushed the emotional weight so far deep down that we don't even know what to do with it. We've pulled away from our family, we've pulled away from our friends, we've pulled away from our church, we've pulled away from people, and we pretend like everything is fine. Eventually somebody will say, hey, I notice you're like carrying a lot, and you're like, no, I'm not. Okay. Okay, or we think we're always right. If everybody would just listen to me, they would know that I'm always right. Or you pretend like everything is fine. Or you come to church and you do the Christian things. You came this morning, you checked it off. Okay, that's it, that's all I gotta do. That's all I gotta do. And the reality is what we're talking about today is so big because we're diving into our emotional health. Our, our, our emotional health. We're gonna dive into God's word and we're gonna talk about how can we be emotionally healthy? I can't cover everything in the time that we have. This is so weighty and so deep and there's so much to it, but I hope you'll be challenged. One of my best friends on the planet, Dr. Tom, uh, he said this as we were having a conversation this week about emotional health. He said, we are suffering from an epidemic of emotional disability. Whew. Boy, it's true everywhere you go. People are angry and upset and impatient. They're ripping apart each other in emails and online. They're ignoring grief. They're giving into anger. Self-awareness is at an all-time low. People are unhappy. We're not experiencing, even those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, those of us who acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He is God's son. He came to this planet to live a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross. He took our sin to the cross and he died 
And three days later, he rose again. And because he rose again, we have this amazing opportunity to have a relationship with him. And even those of us who've crossed the line of faith, many of us were carrying around so much emotional weight and baggage. We're not experiencing what scripture calls a peace that surpasses all understanding. We're not experiencing what Jesus said, living life to the fullest. How do we stop carrying all of these bags around? All of these bags. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, good morning. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited that you are joining us here physically. If you're online, thank you so much for joining us. If you ever miss uh, a message, just go to our YouTube page, Generations Christian Church, because last week Johnny preached an incredible message on mental health that sets up this week incredibly well. And we are in this series called Transform, and it is a spiritual growth trans, uh, a spiritual growth campaign. Many, many, many of us are doing this devotional every single day. This week, under the emotional health, there are so many good devotionals. Many of us are memorizing these scriptures. Look at this. I have all five memory cards. This is hot commodity because there are people emailing me. How can I get week two? And I'm like, well, you got a Chick-fil-A gift card? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Someone's going to take that literally. I'm kidding. But, and many of us are in a small group and we're diving into this. And so I love what's happening in my small group. I love that our living room is packed every single Tuesday night and we're diving into God's word. We're having conversations with each other. It's just absolutely incredible. And I know there will be the day where 100% of our generation's family, online, in present, will all be in small groups, in neighborhoods, on this campus, all over the place. I cannot wait for that day. Here's the reality about emotions. Emotions are central to being a human being. Uh, it's a shame, but we don't put too much stock in emotions in our society sometimes. We're pragmatic to a fault. Here's the reality we gotta know. God has emotions. God has emotions. God has feelings. God is an emotional God. He feels joy. He feels grief. He feels pain. He feels hatred towards sin. If God wasn't emotional, you and I would not be an emotional. The ability to feel is a gift from God. Your emotions are a gift from God. They may not seem that way, uh, emotions are a great asset and it's right in the very beginning of God's word. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. We see this about how God created us. He said, then God said, let's make man in our image. After our own likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in the image he created him. Male and female he created them. We are made in the image of God. If we were like a rowdy amen church, that should get like the rowdiest amen of all time because you and I were created in the image of the God. There is no other God, the God. We are created in his, his image. So every morning when you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, no, 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 stop that. Because you look in the mirror and go, okay, I may look like that, but I was created in the image of God. Image of God. Now here's the problem with emotions. There's extremes on either side. One side is emotionalism, right? Everything is about what you feel. If you feel it right now, it's gotta happen. It's right, it's never wrong. Uh, that's this extreme. Then there's this side, which is the extreme of Stoics, right? Stoicism. Everything is intellect and will. I cannot trust my emotions. I cannot trust my feelings. Uh, there is great in both sides. What we need to do is we need to find a balance. A uh, funny thing is I've officiated all these weddings over the years. I've typically find that like um, bride and grooms, they kind of, a lot of times fall into those two categories. I don't know if you'd say that about your spouse. My spouse is definitely, definitely more stoic. 
I'm more emotional. Uh, she, she made me stop watching this is, just, uh, this is Us a few years ago because every Wednesday night or whatever it was on, I'm just like, what is happening, Jack? No. And she would look at me and she's like, enough already. Pull yourself together, man. Uh, churches are sometimes aligned this way. My first church I interned at 18 years old was a, a very emotional church. Worship, like we had flags, people were jumping, dancing, spinning, twirling, yelling, screaming, like it was energetic. The problem is one, one Sunday a pastor said to me, oh, the, the crowd's not very energetic. Must be, mean that God's not moving today. Mm, no. Then the second church I worked at was a very stoic church. Very, we wore suits. We did not smile. Uh, the pastors had to sit on the platform. There were seats for the pastors. I was 20. They hired me as a youth pastor at 20. I could barely tie my shoes. Like what, what were they thinking? But here I am, my little suit coat. is my time to pray. We just get done with this rousing hymn. And I come up to this giant pulpit and I had to pull out a milk crate to step on so they could see me. And I moved down the mic. You know those kind of microphone stands? And I was like, this is my, mo this is my time. Like, I'm going to go for it. And then I grabbed either side of the pulpit, Billy Graham style. And I'm like, church, isn't it great to be in a house of the Lord? I could feel the eyeballs. I, could, I mean, like, I guess it wasn't great to be in the house of the Lord. They were like, no, it's, it's not great. One Sunday, I, I bucked the system, though. I wore my Birkenstock sandals with my suit coat. Boy, I got yelled at. <laughs> I explained it wasn't like I was wearing Crocs, you know? Like, come on. No offense to you Croc wearers. Just don't wear them with white socks, okay? Like, please. All right, never mind. But we got these two sides of emotions, and we've got to find the balance. This amazing human being, Mr. Rogers, he said this about emotions and feelings. Part of the problem with the word disabilities is that it immediately suggests an inability to see or hear or walk or do many of the other things that many of us take for granted. But what about, what of people who can't feel or talk about their feelings or manage their feelings in constructive ways? What of people who aren't able to form close and strong relationships and people who cannot find fulfillment in their lives or those who have lost hope, who live in disappointment and bitterness and find no joy, no love? These, it seems to me, are the real disabilities. No, 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 no. What, are you, what are you, are you taking, are you taking my baggage? Okay, thank you. But I, I don't want you to take it, but I guess you're taking it. Okay. Um, because emotionally health, emotional health is so incredibly important, one of my favorite books on the planet is this book called... Um, <laughs> emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'm so sorry. It was written by a guy, a guy by the name of Peter Scazzaro. He's a pastor. He's written Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Type stuff. I just love it. I've been through it so many times. I've given it away. He says this about emotional health. Emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Whew. Here's why, he says. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional de denial, distortion, or disengagement. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. Whew. Here's why. 
The best picture of our emotions, of our life, of our souls is a picture of an iceberg. Have you seen this kind of picture of an iceberg where it's 10% above the water? And this is what happens with icebergs. 10% are above the water and 90% are underneath. 90% and that's a picture of your soul. That is a great representation because so many times we make changes to the 10% and people are like, oh, hey, you dropped a few pounds, way to go. Or, or they're like, oh, you held open the door for someone, way to go. But they don't see the 90% of stuff that's happening. And if we're really honest, there are deep layers beneath our surface and our day-to-day awareness. Even though we're doing quote unquote good, I'm fine carrying all this baggage by myself or ignoring all of the baggage, we haven't addressed what's really going on to the surface. And it's like selfies, right? We take selfies all the time. We gotta take a picture of everything. I was at this great place having uh, uh, lunch yesterday, working on a few things for church. And this couple sits down and she took like 17 pictures of first her food and then her plate and then her drink next to her plate. And she told her, I don't know if it was boyfriend, husband, man, whoever, like move out of the way, you're in the shot. And he's like, just eat your food. And then they got into this huge fight. And finally I was like, just eat your food. Let me eat your food. If you don't eat your food, I'll eat your food. It looks great. Like it's going cold, like enough pictures. But we take so many of these pictures because we want to show the 10% of us that's all together, right? We don't see the, the person who just took like the perfect picture of their kid. And then a minute later, they're like, what are you doing? Pick up your toys. Like we don't show the 90% on selfies. Here's why emotional health is so important. It is the ability to recognize, honor, and employ your emotions in constructive ways. Here's why. Feelings are like like the lights on a dashboard. Uh, When I was 18 years old, I bought a 1966 Ford Mustang. I needed a practical car. (laughs) And I got an old classic that had rust and was falling apart. But man, it was so cool driving that car. The day my dad and I went and picked it up, it was a straight six, so it wasn't a 289. I dream about having a 1966 cherry red fastback 289. But uh, it was a straight six and it had a clutch. And if you've never like pushed down a clutch in a 1966, like you need like Hulk thighs. Like after driving that car for a year, my right thigh was so abnormally large. Like I just had to like, I mean, it was so large, but I could push down that clutch like it was nothing. So we went and picked it up, got that car. I couldn't wait. So many great conversations that happened. But one day driving down this busy road called Telegraph, like 54, my wiring harness behind my dashboard went out. Everything went up in smoke. Car comes to a screeching stop, 27 foot car, all metal. And nobody got out to help me. I'm pushing this car, pushing this car, pushing this car. I heard every um, amazing way to intricately involve every single swear word. Like it was like, I mean, it was almost beautiful at one point. I was like, oh, I've never heard of that one. Um, But I was trying to get that out of the way. And here's the thing. My dashboard of my 66 Mustang looked like this. Um, It was, oh, go back to the other picture. That was really fun. That's actually my 66 Mustang. Did you already show that? You probably showed that. Anyways, go to the dashboard. I'm sorry, I'm all over the mess now. But this was my dashboard. Look how simple that is. Fuel, oil. That's what we think our dashboard looks like. Even those of us who are like, I don't have feelings. I don't need feelings. I don't want feelings. Uh, That's what we think our, wow, you carried that pretty easy. Took me (laughs) a little bit tougher for me. In reality, what what our our feelings dashboard looks like is this. Um, The Knight Rider dashboard. You remember the Knight Rider, right? Oh, who forgets about the Knight Rider? Those of us under 25, we don't have it, but Google Hasselhoff. No, don't Google Hasselhoff. I don't know what will come up. 
Um, but this is what our, this is what our, a good representation of our feelings and our emotions. And here's the thing, like hidden hurts are emotional poison. And if there's baggage that you're not dealing with, that you're just shoving down, you got stuff going off on your dashboard all the time and you will go up and smoke like mine did. Psalms 32, three to four, the message says, when I kept hurt all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. A lack of emotional health has a building effect and the baggage will just hold you back. Here's what I think we need to, we under, need to understand and do. God's healing is deeper than your emotions and your feelings. God's healing is deeper than your emotions and your feelings. Just because you felt it right then does not mean that it's right. Run it through a filter to see if it's right. Because what happens is we start to go into this cave and the baggage, the unhealthy feelings, the insomnia, the carrying around the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the pride and the unforgiveness and the, God's healing is deeper than that. And we, it's like we just keep going deeper and deeper into this cave. And we don't even remember people asking us if we're okay anymore. We just know that we're deep in this cave because we haven't dealt with the 90%. Well, in the Old Testament, there's this prophet by the name of Elijah. And he teaches a little bit about what to do with our emotions and our feelings, especially when they start to go way off course and they start to turn into discouragement and depression. And what you need to know about Elijah in the Old Testament is that his name actually means the Lord is my God. Imagine if your name meant that. My name, Jason, means a really good looking one. That's what it means. <laughs> Just kidding. It means healer. It means healer. I love that. That, that. That's what my name means. Because all these years I've tried to hopefully bring healing through words and my life. But Elijah's name is the Lord is my God. He was a prophet. And a prophet, what that meant is he went into a town and he shared the good and the bad of what God wanted them to share. He shared it adamantly and he gave warnings and he heard God and he walked in obedience and God asked him to share hard truths and he did. And in First Kings, First Kings 19 in the Old Testament, it says this about Elijah's life. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Let me just stop there for a second. Uh, Ahab was an evil king. Scripture actually says he was the 19th consecutive evil king. I mean, imagine that. That's a lot of evil. And not only was he the 19th, he was the king of all of that evil. And towards the end of his life, he was kind of a wuss. So he turns to his wife, Jezebel, and he says, deal with this situation. And so 1 Kings 19, 2 says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more... Wow, you're gonna help me too. Wow, two bags at once. Jeez. Um, so may the gods do to me and more also... If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And what she's saying is one of them means dead. Like one of them who are not with us anymore. And so verse Kings, uh, first Kings 19.3 says, then he was afraid and he rose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. This is a phenomenal three verses of scripture. I know it doesn't seem that way, but here's why it is phenomenal. Because Elijah is running in fear. This is so confusing to me, especially considering all that God did in his life. First Kings 17, first Kings 18 gives you a whole list of God's miracles that he used Elijah for. For instance, um, the king had turned the hearts away from God. God sent Elijah to tell them it's not gonna rain, Produ uh, pronounces a huge drought, it doesn't rain. 
Success number one. Uh, then he's in a season of hiding. He needs food. God sends ravens that drop meat and bread. And then a brook comes through and nourishes him. Success miracle number two. Then the brook dries up. God leads him to a new place, meets a widow who has just a little bit of oil and flour. And God uses that, miraculously multiplies it, and feeds all of them. Success miracle number three. Then the widow's son dies. It's the first ever uh, recorded in scripture where Elijah takes the son upstairs and God raises him from the dead. That's a pretty good success story. Miracle number three. Then he calls Elijah to go back and confront the king where the drought was. And so Elijah gets into this whole mess with the prophets of Baal and Ashura. And so 450 false prophets to Baal, 400 to Ashura, bring them to Mount Carmel. We're gonna have a showdown, see how real God is. They build a couple altars. And he says to them, all these prophets, pray for fire to come down. So these prophets are doing everything. They're cutting themselves. They're begging their gods. Nothing happened. Elijah actually makes fun of them. And then he calls down, he calls on God and fire comes down and burns up everything. He goes to this mountain, asks God to send rain. He prays for rain seven times. Off in the distance, he sees this cloud the size of a, and, and all of a sudden there's this miraculous provision and it happens and this protection. And then one day, one day after all those successes, one day Elijah says, uh, this lady says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send people to kill you. And he runs for him, his life because fear, fear is this crazy powerful tool that the enemy uses in our lives. Actually, Max Lucado in a great book called Fearless, he said this about fear. Jesus takes our fear seriously because fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. It dulls our miracle memory. It makes us forget what Jesus has done and how good God is. You ever been in that boat? You're carrying around all the baggage and you can't remember how God did anything for you before. And you're like, life is never gonna happen. Then 1 Kings 19, then he was afraid. He rose, ran for his life, came to Beersheba uh, and left his servant there. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die saying, it's enough now. Take my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. What Elijah didn't realize at that moment is that God's healing is deeper than your emotions and your feelings. Elijah secludes himself and pulls away even more. See, what led to Elijah's depression and his discouragement and the emotions running amok is that he wore himself out. All that ministry success, he didn't take time to rest. And maybe some of you can relate. You're running around carting kids. You're doing work. You're doing all this kind of stuff and you're just wearing yourself out. Or maybe Maybe you shut people out like Elijah did. We carry all of our baggage alone and we just stay away. Or you focused on the negative like Elijah's. Elijah says, I'm no better off than my ancestors. Really? Here's what I know about self-pity. It really loves to create pity parties. And before you know it, you convinced yourself that you need all of this self-pity. Or maybe you find yourself in all these drama situations in your life. And you're like, why? Why does drama always follow me wherever I go? I'm not very good at math. But what I did learn is if there's a consistent part of the equation, you've got to pay attention to that. And maybe you are. Maybe you are the consistent part of the equation. That you really need somebody to sit down with you and talk truth to you to say, hey, by the way, you're the one who brings the drama. You stir the pot. And sometimes we're so far unemo unemotionally healthy that we don't see that we're the ones. Or maybe you're like Elijah and you forgot God. And maybe some of you have spiritual amnesia. Elijah saw God's protection and provision, and yet he was still depressed and discouraged. 
And maybe, maybe just maybe apart from Elijah, because I don't know about that, maybe some of us are suffering from uh, medical reasons why you're depressed or you're discouraged. Maybe there's a chemical imbalance. And for some reason, some of us, we've been, friends have been asking, family have been asking, why don't you go see a counselor? Why don't you go talk to somebody? And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 I can get through it. Well, if you broke your leg, would you just get through it? Or would you go seek professional help. I know in my life, seeing a Christian counselor for many, many years has brought so much healing and so much emotional health. God's healing, God's healing is deeper than our feelings and emotions. And so if we want to experience that healing, just a few steps that we can take in our lives uh, to do that. And this is what Elijah did. The first is to remember it's good to eat and rest. First Kings 19, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a, his head, uh, a cake uh, baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate it and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and ate and drank with the strength of that, 40, that food, 40 days and 40 nights, the horror of the mountain of God. Like some of us, we need to fuel ourselves differently because we're just letting all of this unhealthy food in. One of my favorite um, authors, Dr. Daniel Amen. He writes so much about how we can fuel our mind for good just by the food that we eat. Dr. Dan Lehman actually says, practice saying no to the things that are not good for you and over time you will find it easier to do. Then it's rest. Uh, Dallas Willard said, when you slow down, you cultivate a rich, obedient relationship with Jesus. When you slow down. It seems like anti, I need to do more, I need to do more. I need to do another Bible study and I gotta get into another group and then I gotta go do, serve my community and then I gotta go and go and do and do and do and so often Jesus just said, be. Just, just be with me, just be with me. I used to live in central Michigan. Yep, we do this thing with the hand, bam, right there. I grew up here in Detroit, then I live in Chicago, then in central Michigan. All surrounding us were farms. Growing up in the city of Detroit, I never saw a real active farm unless I went to this place called the Greenfield Village, which was Henry Ford, his like actual outdoor museum. He brought all these buildings there, Menlo Park where Edison invented the light bulb. Anyway, so you don't need to know all that. This is a great place, but there was a working farm. It was the only real farm I saw. Then the last 10 years, I lived in central Michigan where I drove past dairy farms and, and corn farms. And I got to know farmers. And the one thing I learned from farmers was things don't grow very fast. They, they, they could want the corn to grow fast, but they, they, they were like, they had to wait. And we used to live by Amish, like Amish people. Do you know Amish? Like beards, like Hezekiah, Obadiah, Amish. And like people who churned butter on their front porches. Like we lived by them. And one day my boys and I are driving down the road and there's an Amish buggy coming towards us with a dad and two sons. The dad is chewing on a piece of straw. And one of my sons looks at the Amish buggy and says, I feel so bad for them. No video games, no movies, no TV. They must be bored all the time. And my other son says, I bet they feel bad for us. We're hurried all the time. We're always in a rush. We always get upset if we're, on, we're not on time. And I was like, oh, there's something really good to rest. There's something really good to rest. Then, then another step we can take to find healing is know that God replaces the lies with the truth. Replaces the lies with the truth. Uh, God says to Elijah, he came to a cave and, and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I, even I only am left. And they seek my life and take it away. Like we gotta, 
We learned about it last week with the message. Like scripture, God's word will replace the lies. That's why gathering together is so incredibly important. Johnny referenced the book, uh, Barbarian's Way by Earl McManus. He says this about worship. The reason worship is so important to the process of healing, it aligns your priority right. But worship also creates a shift of responsibility because we say, God, you're in charge of my life. I'm no longer in charge of my life. And so we worship him because at times life is gonna come out of control. It's, and that's why worship is so incredibly important. God's healing is deeper than your emotions and feelings. And then, and then another step we need to take is we need to listen for God's still small voice. We need to listen for God's still small voice. First Kings 19, 11 and 12 says, and he said, go out and stand in the mount before the Lord. Go out. And so Elijah is waiting. He's waiting to hear from God. And so God sends a storm. God sends a storm. And he's waiting. He's just waiting to hear God's voice. And so he says, go out, in the, out and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke to pieces before the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And so Elijah just kept expecting that he was going to hear God's voice in the storm. And the thunder, in the power of it. He was going to hear God speak. And after an earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, there was a sound of a low whisper. Other translations say a gentle whisper. And sometimes when we're at the lowest, when we're in the deepest part of the cave, when we're carrying all that baggage alone, God seems to speak to us in the softest. It may not be loud, but it will be enough. And it starts with a solitude priority in your life so your, your soul can rest. Have you ever been like Elijah and looked around at the big and the loud and you're just asking and begging God to give you something and you were missing all of the whispers? Maybe for some of you, it's as simple as just you're dealing with all this anxiety and all this discouragement and all this depression. I got a real easy answer. Take out your phone and just turn it off. Your life's gonna be okay if you can't check your news feed and all of your social medias and all of the text messages. The average adult spends three and a half hours on their phone. 145 minutes a day to Facebook adults. Best thing I did June 1st of this last year, I took Facebook, Instagram, all the social media off my phone. Sometimes I feel like FOMO because people are like, did you hear about it? And I was like, what did I, what did I miss? And then I was like, oh, well, all right, let's keep going. I Now I still check in on my computer and I set times for myself, but it got into that. The average adults, actually, this is real statistics. They watch Netflix 100 million minutes a day. Like, it's just crazy. Just kidding. 100 million minutes. See what I did there? I brought you down and then you're like, oh, that must be, that must be fact check. All right, fact check. Oh, too soon. Rick Horn then says, we often miss hearing God's voice simply because we aren't paying attention. The great Henry Blackaby said, the willingness to obey every word from God is critical to hearing God speak. So listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. God's healing is deeper than your emotions. Paul wrote, and he shows what happens when we live, we live this emotionally healthy way. God brings gifts into our lives, much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. So if you're not seeing fruit in your life, it's a major indication that you're not spiritually or uh, emotionally or mentally healthy. Uh, 
the fruit of the Spirit are listed out in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And it says it's love, affection for others. Do you see that in your life? Do a hard inventory right now. Take a minute in the quiet to actually inventory your heart and your soul. And then maybe later, ask your spouse or a best friend or one of your kids or someone that knows you well because you may think, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll carry all this by myself. I'm fine, everything's fine. But then just humbly come before someone that that knows you and ask them, do you see affection for others in my life? Do you see uh, joy, exuberance about life? Like I'm just, I'm living this life filled with joy. Do you have that? Peace, serenity, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Patience, a willingness to stick with things. Are you impatient? You give up all the time. Kindness, a sense of compassion in the heart. Goodness, a basic conviction that holiness permeates things and people. Faithfulness, are you involved in loyal commitments? Are you living out Jesus' words, let your yes be yes? gentleness, not needing to force your way into life, not needing for your way to be the way and your opinion to be the one everyone follows. And then self-control, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. That's the kind of life available to us. That's the kind of life where all of a sudden you look down and the baggage that you were carrying, the baggage is gone because this is the time that Jesus has removed the baggage. This is possible. Actually, today, some of you can find healing by letting go of the baggage. Jesus said these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and it's your, 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 our, our verse this week. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe that's you this morning. This is your time to let some of that baggage go. And, and maybe it's a simple step of, it's time for you to start seeing a Christian counselor. Trinity Counseling Center is set up in the lobby. They would love to talk to you. If it's not them, find another Christian counselor. I'll find another great Christian counselor for you. Find a counselor to help you deal with some of the weight and the depth of what's happening. But maybe right now is your time in this spot to before you leave these room, this room to let go of some of the baggage that you've been hauling around forever. The lack of forgiveness, the pride, the hurt, the anger, the bitterness, the shame, the shame, the guilt. Maybe today, Jesus' words, come unto me, come unto me. He doesn't drive people away. He says, come to me. So today, let it be the day that you come to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here's what I know that I've experienced in my life because I've had those cave seasons. I've had those moments where I've carried all the baggage and friends and family had to sit me down and say, Jason, Jason, what is going on in your life? And I've had to be confronted with this. Here's what I know. God's healing is contagious. And once you start letting him heal you, it just snowballs. And we saw that in Jim's story. Jim's story is an incredible example of emotional health. Let God heal you that way. And you'll be amazed at how someday you were carrying all these bags and the hurt and the dysfunction and you were so far in the grave in the cave but now his healing is bigger than your, your your feelings and your emotions and you have found rest may that be what we do today let me pray for God to bless us today and Jesus God we just come before you right now we thank you so much for this time together God may we experience healing may we experience emotional health God we we want to we want to do what Jesus said come and so hold, so Jesus we come to you today And we ask that you would provide healing and rest in our lives. God, we we ask that your healing is deeper than our feelings and emotions. And so God, thank you for walking with us and pulling us out of the cave 
and providing life and life to the full. May the fruit of the Spirit be evident all over our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.